0: For more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. Mandy comes in today to establish care in your practice. She is three months pregnant with her first child and plans on bringing her newborn to your practice as well. Then she asks about vaccines. She tells you, I've been doing a lot of reading and I'm very concerned about the number of vaccines that children get. I worry about their safety. My sister has kids and she has her kids immunized one at a time. She skips a few of them because she believes some of them are dangerous. My mom says we all got the measles as a kid, and besides feeling lousy for a few days, we were fine. Also, one of my friend's son developed autism right after he got his measles vaccine. I really want to come here, but I need to know your policies about vaccines. Hi, this is Frank Domino. And joining me today is Susan Feeney, Assistant Professor and Coordinator of the Family Nurse Practitioner Tract at the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Susan, what a timely topic to bring forward. No
1: kidding. It's every time you look at the news, uh, another headline.
0: So uh, in particular, measles vaccine seems to be a concern of people. Um, Can you just remind the audience, because I've been in practice for... over 30 years, and I, I've never seen measles. What does measles look like?
1: So measles, um, start. there's a prodrome. So usually what happens is kids will get a high fever, or whoever, an adult, children or adults, and it can be as high as 104 in kids. And they have what we call the, the three Cs. They get cough, coryza, which is a, a runny nose and congestion, and conjunctivitis. Um, and that lasts, can last about four or five days. And then they get the rash. So the rash is uh, after. And the rash is a fairly dense macular papular rash. It starts in the forehead moves down the body. And it can be on the, uh, on the palms and on the soles of the feet. And generally, they are contagious from the start of the prodrome till the, um, till the rash goes away. So they're contagious for about eight days.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, from what I've read, it's not, not terribly pleasant. So... Um, here in the US and actually through Europe as well. What, what's the evidence regarding the resurgence of measles infections?
1: Well, the resurgence has, is two prong. Uh, mainly it's vaccine hesitancy, which is basically people who are distrustful of the vaccine for various reasons, usually information that is not evidence-based, but they're choosing not to immunize their children. And so we're seeing this in Western Europe and the United States. And on top of that, measles is still very active uh, throughout the world, um, in Asia and in in Africa. And so what happens is people travel all over the place, they get exposed, they come back, and it's usually unvaccinated people who get the the disease. So we have dropped um, our herd immunity in the United States um, Per The Lancet, we just dropped about 90, a little bit over 91%. And at once you drop below 95, then you're really at risk for uh, measles resurgence.
0: Wow, so the benefit of herd of the herd protection goes away once you're below. Absolutely. And right. it's the case both here in the US and in Europe? Yes, yes. Wow, yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Um, what are the risks of contracting measles, one of the biggest uh, things I'm hearing from people are, oh, hey, measles is no big deal. Mandy said the same thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think most of us have memory. I remember getting the measles. I think that was, you know, was, I'm certainly old enough to have gotten it. it wasn't avail- The vaccine wasn't available. But it was not benign. And in, uh, in the decade before we had the immunization, um, on a yearly basis, three to four million p- people were infected. And there were 400 to 500 deaths, and most of that were complications of pneumonia, encephalitis. Um, there's also a rare, rare but fatal complication, something called subacute sclerosing panencephalitis, that can occur 10 years after. Um, so that's, I mean, it's rare, but it's it's a risk. Um, and in that same year, you know, 4,800 people were hospitalized and 4,000 diagnosed with encephalitis. And encephalitis, people don't often, they may survive it, but they're gonna have residual deficits. So it's not a benign uh, disease and it's completely preventable by the vaccine. It's a very high uh, success rate um, with the vaccine
0: all right so that's that's measles yes Um, what are some of the myths around uh, vaccine preventable diseases and vaccines
1: well it's very interesting because measles was sort of the one that's the flagship for people to not want Um, and there was a lot of there was a bogus study that came out with that tied autism to the measles vaccine and of course you know when the measles vaccine you know, comes at the time of, of speech formation. So there's there's a lot of people have seen that correlation, but there's absolutely no evidence that there that it's caused by that. There was also a fear of thimerosal. Thimerosal is, is a protective agent that has ethyl mercury as, as a component, which evidently isn't uh, absorbed in the body. It's, it's, it's passed to the body. But because of the uproar and the concern of mer- mercury in small kids, it was basically t- taken out of all vaccines in 2003 was the last time the, the last vial was was uh, gone. Um, and interesting. MMR never had thimerosal in it. It was all, <laughs> yeah, It was always the uh, the multi-dose vial. So, like flu vaccine has thimerosal, and at this point, most of our flu vaccine is is single dose. It's only in very remote places where they can't afford the single dose. So, the, these myths, what they are being propagated, um, erroneously. They're coming through social media, um, and and I think you know, there's there is a look, if somebody has a child with autism, you, you are frantic. It's like, well, how did this happen? And there is that correlation of intense speech formation and the uh, advent of the, of the vaccines. But even the organizations that um, are caring for, for children with autism spectrum disorder say children need to be immunized. They, they, they embrace the, uh, the evidence.
0: It, it's one of the it's, – it's the prime example sometimes when I'm helping individuals – discern the difference between correlation and cause and effect that's right the the vaccine and and correlation with autism is just that it's a correlation but it does it there's really good data that shows there is no relationship between the onset of of autism and and this vaccine so the real challenge with this information is how do we effectively communicate with Mandy
1: well and it's really scary because um I think we, as humans, that we have a little bit of a sk- conspiratorial belief mechanism, and we want to. Sometimes we believe things even in the face of evidence, and it's terrifying. You have a little baby, and I'm going to take a perfectly healthy child and give them something. Um, but one of the one of the things that CDC has, they have multiple um, um, tools for us to help us talk to to patients and parents, and it's basically just sort of giving them lots of information that the disease is much worse than any risk that the vaccine could, could play. And we've got years of evidence that um, there's, I think I read in the Lancet article, there's a, you know, the chance of, uh, of harm coming to you from the vaccine is t- 10,000 times less than the disease itself. So I think if you said, look, this is a disease that, you know, maybe, you know, 4,000 cases of encephalitis a year doesn't sound a lot to you, but that's that's pretty high and, and a scary disease. So I think just, you know, developing a relationship with them and saying, "Let me help you and teach you how this is. This will help your child and help pr- protect your child, and the risk to your child is very very limp." And then going over the correlation. Sometimes things happen at a particular time. Doesn't mean that they're caused by that also helping parents to say let's let's help you find sources of information that are reliable you know it it, we can get we all can get sort of uh, you know derailed by seeing things on facebook and social media but to say you know you really need to find something that is well sourced and well investigated and you know the cdc and the world health organization really are organizations that are committed to evidence-based practice and protecting the health of the community. And helping, them, like, I, sometimes I'll say, look, if you trust me, and I have I can give you the best evidence I have, so let's look at these sources together. And let me give you sources where you can go and investigate where you know the information is solid, you know. The other thing I tell tell parents is, you know, you get a, a, a vaccine that has multiple vaccines in it, and you're worried about that antigen being, you know. But you take your child out of the house, and you walk around the park, or you go to the mall, the antigens that the child's going to be exposed to in a much more virulent way is... is um, Ten times, fifty times more uh, of an assault, if you will, on your child. You know, we're just helping their immune system. So I think it's just steady. The good news is Mandy's three months pregnant, and she's establishing practice with the family practice. Is to really work with her gradually over the time, and and tell her, you know, these are these are vaccines that will prevent deadly illness and terrible sequelae, and you know, HPV prevents cancer, and, you know, the hep B vaccine prevents chronic hep B. I mean, there's, we, can, we can really work with her, you know, not bludgeoning her, but sort of working with her. Let's, let's find trusted areas, trusted resources for you to, to go to.
0: Well, thanks so much, Susan. I think this is very helpful and very, very timely. Thank you. Practice pointer. Herd immunity has been lost in the United States and Europe as vaccination rates go below 95%. The measles vaccine is extremely safe, whereas measles can cause lifetime sequelae and even death. Join us next time when we talk about telemedicine and its influence on patient care. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast.